Corey, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what is going on? It's episode 78. <laughs> Should have practiced that one, huh? It's, it's 78. Is it? Okay. Are we going? Are we showing you know, recording and all that on the... Yeah. Yeah. It shows that we're recording. Doing and this, the volume uh, is picking up the volume. Yeah. Looks like everything's picking up on it as far Sweet. as I can tell. Go ahead and start talking into your microphone. Mic one. Here we are. Hey, man. So it, it looks like there's just one line for both of us. Yeah, that's moving. just that's the audio. Just okay. As long as that's moving up and down, then the computer is picking up what we're saying. All right. A couple of professionals showing y'all how it's done. Yeah. I guess Corey's <laughs> more important than we thought. <laughs> just barely, though. <laughs> I feel yeah. like we can have this figured out pretty quick yeah. if we decide that uh, that he's cramping our style. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Anyway, <laughs> dude, so welcome back. For one. Yeah, thank you. Uh, second off, a, on my Facebook timeline, something came across. Yeah. From last year. Okay. Last year, I was flying to Mono. Around this time, I was flying to uh, uh, California for a business conference. Going to Palmdale? No. Um, this was a conference up in uh, San Jose area. Okay. Uh, What's that, that area like? Very nice. Okay. Um, I, I might have said this on the podcast before, but I kind of see why Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City for <laughs> Golden State. Yeah, so that's northern coast yeah. of California. Yeah, that's San Jose, San Francisco area. Yeah, is see because when I go out to Palmdale, mm-hmm. I always and even L.A. Like I fly into L.A. Um, or uh, Burbank. Yeah, and the Burbank's basically Hollywood, so yeah. that's where all the the movie stuff happens. Burbank's pretty nice, but it's nothing that just wows me outside of the kind of the coolness of the Hollywood part. Mm-hmm. But if you were to take that out of it, there's nothing about the landscape that's just like I would think that when you get up great. around, is it the Malibu area that it's more like cliffs overlooking the ocean? And it is where it's not as much beach right. as it is cliffs. I think that would be but I haven't been very impressive to see, especially even with or without the mansions. I think that would but just that's be all something. I'm saying. To, I've never been in that area. Yeah. So everything I would do is either fly into LAX and drive into Palmdale, which is the valley, uh-huh. Lancaster area, which is terrible. Yeah. Or Burbank, which is kind of cool, but it's only cool because like you could see Jay. I saw Big Brown, uh, Big Black from. Uh, oh, from Rob, Rob Deerdeck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. met him at the hotel. He's a funny dude, Who's man. Who's that? Uh, Stein, Bill, Bill Stein, the boring guy. He's on all the Visine commercials. Like he's a genius, and he's really oh Ben Stein, Ben Stein, Ben Stein. Yeah. yeah. So met him. I have yeah. a I have a uh, book of his. I took a class in college where you had to uh, read one of these um, kind of self help books, kind uh-huh. of encouragement books. You know, like how to win friends and influence people, or whatever else. Right. Anyways, I was looking for one to read that was super thin, and he had one. But it was uh, how it was like how to lose friends and alienate people, and it just told you everything to do. That was the opposite of what successful people would do. <laughs> yeah, he was and uh, it was it was hilarious, man. It was a fun read, and it was a short book, so it was good. Yeah, I, I met him at a um, Burbank Airport, same Burbank Airport. That that's I cool. Met Big Black Hat. Yeah. So that's cool in that in that regard, but it's not like the beautiful scenery of Burbank. Yeah. So I, I kept you know everything that used to be all I went to. So I'd go out there and and I'd be driving to Palmdale through the valley, and I'm like, man. Why would anyone want to live in California? Like, California's overrated. Yeah. 
fast forward about two years ago, I flew into San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> How mad Diego. was Phillip Rivers when they moved the Chargers? I know, man. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> he didn't move. He said, I just commute. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, man. San Diego, that's – when you go to San Diego – that's why people move to California. That's that's Southern Cal- California at its best. Yeah, it's it's not the L.A. Unfortunately, is just overcrowded and there's yeah. just and it's nasty. Yeah, it's just too much going on and the people there are and it their is own small. kind of way. There, there's there's a there's a brown cloud that surrounds it. Yeah. when you fly in. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. It's it's wrong on a lot of levels. So last year we went to the conference. Yeah, and I fly into San Jose. Yeah, and I and. Uh, uh, Montego Bay. That's where I was staying at, which is where Pebble Beach is at. Yeah. Uh, the golf, the the famous golf course. Yeah. I've played Tiger Woods golf. I know. And that area, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, okay, this is. And I thought, I literally thought to myself, you know, driving to San Jose and San Francisco right next to each other, I'm like, I get why Durant left. Yeah. Because I, I could. I mean, if you just show them this. Well, I mean, the forest is the most majestic thing on the planet possibly you know especially yeah. in north america when you get in those giant trees so. well in Texas, and that's you, not far and tech's real big up there yeah uh in fact as i was driving the highway and, and so forth you had the all the famous the google and facebook and all those yeah. headquarters i mean and they invest in that so yeah anyway so you know, it, it's a good place to be yeah. it, it's I mean, a nice I, area I, I, I mean dude seven hundred fifty thousand for a 900 square foot house not worth it yeah i think the weather's pretty wonderful there too yeah yeah, the weather's great but anyway as we're coming back on the plane trip i'm I'm on my layover and there's a dude with a walkman like tape player walkman Mm -hmm. okay not a disc but a walkman Walkman. tape player walkman and did uh, he have the little wire headphone thing with the two little sponges on both sides this this guy had this thing it was it was 40 years that or he bought it online because he's a throwback kind of a guy anyway so i say all that because i i I saw it i'm like cool and i had a few comments on i'm like man what what people say about this anyway our buddy brad mentioned that he could see you having a walkman yeah i'm a throwback kind of a guy yeah and then i would never pay much for it but if i ever saw one on the cheap I'd bust that dude out i actually used to have i'll let you finish your story i got a story about that though go ahead because it, it might be along the lines of what... Okay, well, yeah. So Brad's saying that uh, that he could see me having a Walkman. I, I do. I have a little um, little Rubbermaid case that has my old Discman uh-huh. with all the, the little tape that you plugged into the car and everything, uh, the charger to it. I've got a, my old Walkman from when I was in high school and on basketball trips before I had a Discman. I had a Walkman. Yeah. And I'd pop the tape in and listen to it and... Anyways, I still got that Walkman, and I have a stack of tapes that not all my tapes survived from when I was a kid. Plus, some of them, I was a kid, so some of them were trash. You know, I, I don't still listen to some of that stuff. But uh, you know me, I go to thrift stores, so I picked up some, you know, things here and there. And uh, I used to, when I lived in an apartment by myself, whenever I would clean my apartment, um, I would throw that Walkman on and uh, listen to my tapes yeah. while I cleaned my apartment. Listen to a lot of Pogues back then so pogues yeah what's that uh so you know like flogging molly yeah all right just think flogging molly but from the 80s okay yeah just think like that it's it's a irish band that does uh 
Oh, okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Kind of a combo of they do like the folky Irish stuff, but with a more rock punk rock beat town yeah. kind of to it. Sure. Anyways, they were kind of the they were the kind of the OGs of that kind of music before uh, before it got popular again in the early 2000s. So, anyways, so, I found a bunch of tapes and I was listening to those and a lot of Dire Straits. That and that's that's and that's that's, that's where this is going. Okay, because because uh, on the comment you basically said I used to clean my apartment. Yeah. with my Walkman, you yeah. jamming some Dire Straits. Yeah, so, money for nothing and your chicks for free. Yeah, which which you know my dad and I, you know my dad got me into Dire Straits with yes. his classical music. Well, I would say a pretty impressive guy. I would yeah yeah I would say with my because I'm not a big Pink Floyd fan. Yeah, but you said he really, oh, really he was. was yeah. yeah. So, so him and my brother's a huge Pink Floyd fan. Yeah. You know, so that was kind of their thing. Same with Zeppelin. I'm not a big Zeppelin fan. Yeah. I'll listen to him more so than Pink Floyd, but uh, it's again my brother. But Dire Straits was the one that like. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll listen to this with you. Yeah. Anyway, so fast forward, I'm kind of messing around on YouTube a little bit, and. Um, you know, Freddie Mercury's movie, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody just came out, yeah, and kind of the crowning. I've never, I haven't seen it yet, but the kind of the crowning moment in that, in that movie, they is reenact the, that live concert, live aid concert, yeah. So anyway, and I heard they did a great job with it. Yeah, they said yeah, it's it's like step it, by step. They put looks it next good. by next. Yeah, they put it next to each other. Uh, my only critique is the guy I think was overemphasizing Freddie Mercury's overbite. A little too Mercury, much. whatever. <laughs> he was over over emphasizing his overbite, and so it kind of made. It'd be a sick. hard thing to overemphasize because that that's sucker was saying. there. That's but... all I'm saying. But it it kind of messed up his dialect a little bit. But okay. I digress. Anyway, so I'm like, what is this right aid con- you know concert? Mm-hmm. Right. So I I kind of research it, and um, for those of you who don't know, the Live Aid concert is. You probably know it because that's where Freddie Mercury had the the. <laughs> You're butchering that name. For <laughs> the lead singer, <laughs> that's where he had the stonewashed jeans and the white tank top. They they were not stonewashed. Those were bleached Wranglers, which I own a pair that look just like that. Except I think he had a sock tucked in his, but they were <laughs> skin tight white Wranglers. Yeah, and uh, I have two pair of them. So, and I'm not afraid to wear them. There you go. So he's wearing a bleach pair of Wranglers and a, with a, a white tank top. Tucked in. Skin tight. Yeah, tucked in. And only has half the the microphone stand. Yeah. And uh, so that you probably. And, and he's seen, giving it too. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, it, he was, died, it was a good performance. I mean, he died shortly after. Yeah, I mean, he, he gave a good performance. And um, that's when that was him with the big mustache. And, yeah. And he had and broke, short hair, had, and the band had broken up. Now the mm-hmm. movie wants to make it act like that was the first time they got back together. They reunited and played a few shows. Yeah, and and then, but for the movie, they want to make it act like they haven't played. You two needed, years yeah, you, you, they and, needed that dramatic. Yeah. So but anyway, art gets to gets to lie. So I start researching this Live Aid concert. Yeah, and uh, if you don't know what it was, you probably you probably seen pictures of it. But if you don't know what it was, it was a simultaneous concert in Wembley Stadium in London. Yeah, JFK Stadium in Philadelphia. Okay, and you had all the who's who's of the bands mm-hmm. uh, essentially playing, and then the money they raised they were going to give to uh, farmers in Africa because of the drought. Okay, so what's that? Switch cameras. Just saying. 
<laughs> Josh is getting new at this. Yeah. <laughs> if you're watching this, then you know what I was doing right yeah. there. If you're just listening, uh, without Corey, Josh is in charge of switching cameras, yeah. and he's been talking for a cool minute with the camera on me, just, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... So I'm going through, and I'm, I'm I'm reading like all these bands that played. Yeah. And what's interesting is is a Led Zeppelin played at it. Yeah. And they were terrible. Really? Oh, oh they so were. they butchered it. So so essentially, Jimmy Page's guitar was way out of tune. Robert Plant had a hoarse voice, so uh, he wasn't able to hit anything. Yeah. Drummer was Phil Collins. Yeah, because their drummer had died. Yeah. yeah. John Paul Jones, I believe, is his name. Yeah. And uh, so Phil Collins was playing. Apparently, he didn't know anything of what was going on, so he was just jamming, you know, whatever. Yeah. Phil Collins played drums for everybody in that concert. Yeah. Anyway, so they're terrible, but go look, go watch it. But, I mean, they, they put on a terrible form, so much so that they, they blocked it from being televised, and they blocked it from the DVD hmm. uh, collection. That's how bad the performance is. like it didn't happen. But you can look it up on YouTube, mm -hmm. and it's out there, and they were terrible. Yeah. But I'll tell you who, in my opinion, there were some there were some great performances in that concert. Yeah, Madonna did a very good job. Yeah, uh, she's kind of top of her game back then, though. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Simple Minds, which if you don't know who they are, they sing uh, the song at the end of Breakfast Club. Don't okay. You forget about me. They did a great job. But to me, the best one, Dire Straits. Yeah. Yeah. They came out, money for nothing, with Sting singing the yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. Yeah, and then they turned around and did Sultan's of Swing. Yeah, an eleven minute version of Sultan's of Swing. And and what I love about that song is it's a catchy song, but the guitar is just great in it. I've always loved the uh, and Sultan's of Swing. Yeah. And uh, so I, I've always liked it. Well, I'm telling you, the best intro to a rock. And song. I always get mad because when it comes on the radio, they always cut it at the end before the guitar really takes off yeah so i would love to see that yeah so check it out because there's not only a great i mean it's an extended guitar solo yeah they throw a saxophone solo in there <laughs> nice little piano solo saxophones were a real big deal it's a it's an uh, yeah and i think it's a very underrated tool got, these days hey you got bill clinton elected president exactly showed so. up on arsenio hall played the saxophone next thing you know right. nobody cared about anything right. else but that's that's all I'm saying. I mean, it's an 11 minute version of Souls of Swing. I, I would probably that love is that. A, a jewel. Yeah. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, money for nothing. And you know what Live Aid was for? It was for farmers. Yeah, it was the farmers for Africa. Because I thought Farm Aid was that. Farm Aid was for farmers here. Here, but that Live Aid was for farmers there. Yeah. In Africa. So so what happened is because there was a lot of stuff to try to help Africa back in those days, that's, and that's what it was because um, that's and, where Michael Jackson wrote that we are the world was yeah. for awareness and stuff of Africa right and so interesting story about Farm Aid Bob Dylan uh, performed uh -huh. and he made the point in an interview or on stage or whatever basically said hey it'd be nice to take some of this money and actually give it to our farmers who are suffering the same thing so they have bank loans and that kind of stuff yeah. you know whatever which and, our farmers are pretty taken care of these and days people, people looked at it as controversial Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, and, and, and I, I kind of agree with old Mr. Dillon. Bob Dylan is a patriot. You just don't realize it. Yeah. Um, because maybe you just know him for his early years when he was kind of seemed like he was going against the government, but he was fighting for justice. Right. So that's patriotic. That's, and that's what yeah. America's all about. 
the other thing though is whenever um he was playing a acoustic and he was playing folk and everybody loved him all the hippies loved him everybody loved him well he got an electric guitar and kind of changed his music up and started playing rock well people in uh england were big fans of bob dylan but they loved his folk music he took his electric guitar over there and dude they started booing this guy Really? And telling him to throw the harmonica away and get rid of the electric guitar. And they were just, there's all these interviews of people just going off about how terrible Bob Dylan was and how, you know, all this other stuff. And his reply to them was, it's American music, man. If you don't get it, you don't get it. But this is American music. <laughs> and that's, and, and that, you know, sorry about you. And, and, and never, and he never let it worry him. And he just kept doing his thing. You know, he's like, I want to play American rock and roll. And that was kind of the controversy is because they, you know, he basically said that. Yeah. And they kind of brushed him off. Yeah. So him and Willie Nelson and a couple others. Yep. Did essentially the same thing here, you know, same kind of concert. Just yeah. one of them, and raised about nine million for today's farm for the farmers in, in yeah. the United States. So yeah, now they I, I remember when Farm Aid came out. I was I was a kid. Cause what it came out in the eighties. It wasn't long after uh, Live Aid. Yeah, Live Aid was eighty five. Yeah, so you're probably looking you know a couple years later. Yeah, um, I thought it I thought it was pretty early, but I remember it being a big deal and getting a good lineup and everything yeah, like it that. It was pretty cool. So, but hands down, and I was thinking about this best introduction to a rock song yeah. is Money for Nothing. Yeah. With the drum solos and the, yeah. you know, kind of building up to it. And then. Yeah, I, I'd have to sit down and think about it. Those are good conversations, you know, like best intro, you know, best yeah. guitar solo. Well, and that's. Stuff and like that. that. Those are some good debates because you get some good ones. You ever heard the debates over uh, who has the best cover song out there? You know, who does the best legitimate, this is a cover. It was someone else's song. They took it yeah. and then it became their song. Yeah, Justin Timberlake. With a troll song, True Colors, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he straight up stole that song from uh, from Cindy Lauper. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people would say Johnny Cash is hurt, you hurt, know, because yeah. because no, and, and, before that, only Nine Inch Nails fans Nine Inch Nails fans liked it. Yeah. After that, you got to admit it, it kind of swept the nation. It was a big song. Yeah. No, it it, it did. Um, you know, I think Jimi Hendrix uh, he covered uh, "All Along the Watchtower." That was um, a Bob Dylan song. I, you know, I'm pretty sure is how that originated. Uh -huh. So, you know, obviously most people are more familiar with Jimi Hendrix, probably. So. Yeah, and and that's kind of the thing is is when we were talking about um, those cover songs is is it's it's difficult to do a cover song because. I mean, Prince stole "While My Guitar Gently Weeps" from George Harrison at a tribute for George Harrison right. by yeah. doing that amazing guitar and solo. Right, and, that, and that's kind of what I'm saying, man. It's like because the song, the song is already ingrained in someone's mind. Yeah. So for someone like Hendrix or Johnny Cash to come in, no one knew that song was a Nine Inch Nails song, like you said. Yeah. Until. Except Nine Johnny. Inch Nails fans, and probably even they weren't complaining when yeah. Johnny Cash did it. And, and well, even Trent Reznor was like. <laughs> you know, basically said he he stole it from me. Yeah, kind of like, same way I can't I ever sing that song again. <laughs> yeah, and so anyway, yeah. So uh, my buddy Drew on Facebook, yeah, basically started this this post about top five guitarists. Yeah, and it has some pretty interesting ones on there. Yeah. Because, you know, it depends on what style of music you listen well, to. And was, you might not know a guitarist is good because maybe you don't listen to that kind of music. Well, and that's that's kind of what one of the guys on the on the, the point made. Uh, like, think about, you know, if you said who's one of the greatest bassists of all time, who would come to your mind first? 
bassist? Yeah, who plays bass. Uh, I don't know. Probably that dude from Metallica. Okay. See, most people would probably go to like Flea because he'd be the most standout one that you right. can think of that does it. Um, if, you know, some people would say uh, Les Claypool because, you know, he's not really known for anything but bass. But if you don't know much about, you know, people well, in bands. But the, the, the answer is Bootsy Collins. He's the most sampled man in music. Uh, he did. He worked with James Brown. He Funkadelic and all these other. I mean, he was funk music forever. Uh, Bootsy's. I mean, he's he's Bootsy. it. Is he? Yeah, man. Bootsy Collins. Look him up. Now he's a he's a weird dude because he's part of that funky freaky area. But yeah, Bootsy. He a lot of rap songs have Bootsy samples in them. Right. Most of them. And it, yeah, now you're absolutely right. But anyway, so our buddy, my buddy Drew. He's out in the uh, Nashville area. Yeah. Put out top five guitarists and wanted to know kind of what yours are. Yeah. So his are George Lynch, which I have no clue who that. I'm going to be honest. I don't know a lot of these dudes. And that's the thing is a lot of these musicians, you don't know them, but if someone played something of theirs, oh, you'd yeah. be like, okay, or yeah, you, I recognize Or if you knew it. the band. Yeah. So I don't know who George Lynch is. Uh, John Sykes. Uh, Steve Vai. Have you heard of Steve Vai? Yeah, man. He's, he's the devil's guitarist in Crossroads. <laughs> Well, Steve Vai also. By the way, Crossroads, the Ralph Macchio movie, not the Britney Spears movie. <laughs> if you're ever going to watch Crossroads, don't accidentally watch the Britney Spears movie. <laughs> watch it, the one with Ralph Macchio. It's good. Is it based on the same thing? Like same type of premise? No, he, oh, is, so he is a guitar prodigy at the Juilliard School of Arts. Okay. And he doesn't want to do classical music. He likes the blues. So he leaves school and starts... Um, he wants to find these lost songs of Robert Johnson that he believes are out there. So he goes and breaks this guy out of a nursing home who used to travel with Robert Johnson and played harmonica and stuff. Right. And the dude claims that if you can get me to this place, I'll give you those songs. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's a traveling movie, you know, a road, yeah. a road story. Well, on the road, um, he starts tr kind of telling Ralph Macchio, you know, like, yeah, you're a great guitarist, but you don't understand the blues. And so, on this journey, he kind of keeps forcing him to kind of the Mr. Miyagi style of, right. you know, getting it on the inside, you know, not just memorizing the moves and stuff. Anyways, he becomes like this, you know. That's Steve Vai doing that? No, it's Ralph Macchio, and, and I don't know. I can't remember the guy's name that, that plays the old guy that was uh, friends with Robert Johnson. But anyways, they're going through there. Well, when they get to where they're going, it turns out they're going to the crossroads because apparently when Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil to play the blues – this guy sold his soul, too, to play harmonica and be part of it with Robert Johnson. And he wants his soul back from the devil before he dies. So it's a straight-up devil come down to Georgia at the end. They go to this area where there's just a bunch of people sitting around, and Ralph Macchio has to play against the devil's prodigy. And the devil's mm -hmm. prodigy is Steve Vai, and the devil gave him his ability to play guitar. And Ralph Macchio has to go back and forth with him. Like I said, Devil Came Down to Georgia style. Nice. And uh, the whole ending is nothing but guitar solos <laughs> back and forth. And it's fantastic. It, it's a good movie. It, it really is. Yeah. It's called Crossroads. Check it out. Not the Britney Spears movie. Anyway, Steve Do not Vi. mistakenly watch the Britney Spears movie. <laughs> Steve Vai has a song. I'm going to look it up here real quick so I don't... Well, Steve Vai, he's one of them weird lanky rockers that, you know... You might not you might not know him, but you you know you might have heard him play. But he is kind of well respected as being a great guitarist. Yeah, he. Um, if you watch a lot of wiggly 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 woo. Yeah, go watch. Uh, 
Just see, and you have to watch the YouTube video. Yeah. Of Tinder Surrender. Tinder Surrender. And read the comments. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of women trying to throw their panties nah, through the internet. Not even that. <laughs> just a lot of dudes like, I hope that guitar is at least eighteen years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that he's a little stuff. creepy and weird I mean, with just it. The faces he's making when he there's one that said, <laughs> "Dude, he makes this face," and and they always timestamp it. Yeah, and the, the one one is like, you'll put in like when the the hot pocket hits the roof of your mouth or something like that because he's like <laughs> he's just like <laughs> it's funny. Anyway, comments are great. Anyway, he puts Steve Vai, okay, which, which is is a legit Eddie Van Halen and then uh, John Petrucci, okay. I mean, uh, those are probably all valid. Yeah, no, I'm not saying they're not valid. Um, I mean, I'm going to go with what Eric Clapton said when they asked him what's it like being the greatest guitarist to ever live, and he said, I don't know, ask Prince. Well, see, and that's the thing, is is my brother put Dwayne Allman from the Allman Brothers. Yeah, they were good. Uh, Mark Knopfler. Yeah. You know who that is? Yeah, yeah that's Dire Straits, yeah. man. He's real good. And, yeah, Jimmy Page. Yeah. Uh, Dave Gilmore, or David Gilmore. Is that the Metallica dude? Who is that? I don't know who that is. I don't know. I don't know that. No, people, no that, that guy's name's something else. No, but he ended up on some other people's list, and then Tom Morello, which I thought was kind of weird because that's Raging Against the Machine. No, he's pretty good though. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I just. But I mean, they play the style they play might not come. Well, that's off what I was being, saying. When you're coming, you know, with, can they play these intricate leads, or do they just have a cool sound? Yeah, you know, you know I guess that's, that's kind of where you're going with anyway. it. Anyway, but uh, then you had another guy say uh, Stephen Ray Vaughan, mm-hmm. uh, John Petrucci. Which you know was there, Dave Gilmore again, Sinister Gates, and Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, um, I'm gonna throw a, a very odd list at you because I'm gonna go on people who have just blown me away, and I was like, wow, I didn't know you could do that with the guitar. So I'm not gonna rank them in best to worst. Uh-huh. I'm just gonna say who impressed me the most, and it's just gonna be as I think of them and remember them. Uh, one would be Prince, and my argument will be. Look at his catalog, but then go watch that while my guitar gently weeps. Yeah. Number two would be Roy Clark, the old hee-haw guy. Actually, a ridiculous guitar player. Really? Ridiculous. Go look up some videos on him. He does some stuff with that guitar. He's inventing ways to make music with it. It's nuts. Go watch Roy Clark. I'm not kidding. Let's see. Who else would be up on that list? Um well, this guy had Kurt Hammett. That's Metallica. I think if anyone's gonna put, if anyone's gonna put um, Eric Clapton on there, I think you really can't put Eric Clapton on there without putting a nod towards J.J. Kell, native Oklahoman. J.J. Kell actually had. There's 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 one thing about having you know the ability to play a lot of stuff, but there's another just having a style and a sound that's authentic. Right. And J.J. Kell had that, but I don't think I could put J.J. Kell in there because I'd have to nudge him for Stevie Ray Vaughan. I'd say Stevie Ray Vaughan goes in that list. Okay. Um, and now let's see who else. So I've said Roy Clark, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Prince. Um. I know there's some I'm not thinking of because obviously Eddie Van Halen's well respected as being one of the greatest. Steve Vai is actually respected as being one of the greatest. Yeah, I mean, and that dude from Metallica is actually legit, man. Because they they Kurt Hammett, yeah, because they they did metal speed metal as fast as you could do it, but they also did it very complicated. They threw mm-hmm. some classical in there, and that he has to be pretty good. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, oh, he is. And but you have but a, I'm not a guitar guy, so I might be missing something whenever you, you talk about that. Well, you had Slash that yeah. everyone you know, would kind of put on there, too. 
Yeah. You know? But again, it kind of comes down to the. But then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go towards country music again, and I'm gonna say that I was always blown away about the things Chet Atkins could do. Um, they called it chicken picking. He had his own style of playing, and it's just impressive. When people do something with the guitar where they don't have to sing, they can just entertain you with what they're doing with their guitar. They're good, in my opinion. There you go. This the, okay. So this guy made the same point you did because I come. I, I come in and say what. I didn't see Steve Vai on the original list. Mm -hmm. So I said, what about Steve Vai? And then I put Prince. Mm -hmm. Right? Because is, is y'all are missing this one, you know. Which I think, you know, is better than Van Halen. But I'm not a Van Halen guy. Yeah. Anyway, so we kind of, you know, so this, this conversation kind of goes. And then this guy comes in and says, I'll accept your list because you said favorite, not best. Some people do best guitarist lists as though they're speaking uh, ex cathedra, by the way. So the, he puts his list, number one, Chet Atkins, mm -hmm. Jerry Reed, Merle Travis, Maybell Carter, uh, Neil Sean, Brian May, Don Felder, uh, Mark Knopfler, Chuck Berry, and many others on the rock side. So he was he, he kind of made the same point you did. If you're a country guy, then you want to, you know, kind of lean more towards the then, – then it's a whole new list. Yeah, because what he's talking about with uh, Maybell Carter, what she did was she invented a sound. And that's that's why she and, and she was good that she could do things um, with the guitar that was, you know, almost people were like doing like, oh, wow, I didn't know you could do that with the guitar. You know, she was right. one of those type people. Right. She she invented a lot of sounds and, and things with it and styles. I think she kind of invented a style of playing also. But, you know, the Carters are responsible for country music. Now, the way they went about doing it, she was the talent. But the old man Carter, he didn't really have any talent. What his talent was. Is he would travel around the Appalachian Mountains to all these people who had been writing songs and everything else, and he'd collect those songs and not give anybody hardly any money for it, and then he would bring it back and record it and make money off of it. So <laughs> he was kind of a shady character. But the the Carter family, as far as Maybell and them, they were the sisters were very talented and uh, could play and sing, and they invented country music basically. Yeah, Chet so. Atkins his chicken picking is uh, is pretty impressive. But if you don't like that kind of music, maybe you don't like it. But you got to sit down and respect it. But seriously, go watch Roy Clark. Um, he he could do some things with that thing, man. Like, when he's done playing it, you're like, how are your hands, your fingers still attached to your hands? Because it looks like you should have just raked them off a long time ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. And and that's the thing. I was looking at Mark Knopfler. He's got them big fat sausage fingers too. So you're like, how you do that? Yeah. <laughs> you usually see well, these skinny probably, fingers on guys. Thing. That's kind of where I have issues with the. Anyway, usually, he, uh, yeah, usually you see these long pointy fingers on these guitars and look like Kawhi Kawhi Leonard's yeah, hands. Dude, dude's built like the dwarf Gimli. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, yeah. So they they did that. And anyway, he passed away recently, by the way. Mark Knopfler learned his style on a bent guitar handle. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he apparently he picked up a guitar to play, well, and it had a had a bent handle. Uh huh. So the only way he could make it sound they don't like call it a handle, but go ahead. Neck, bent neck. <laughs> had a had a had a warped neck. Yeah. Is what it what it had. Yeah. And so in order for it to make any type of decent sound, that's how he had to, he had to pick it the way he did. Yeah. Which apparently is a. Well, he probably had to push down real hard. Phenomenal, but he but the way he's pick the way he picks the guitar apparently is a. Yeah, a phenomenal. No, he's he's, fa world. he's I'm not a guitar guy. So. He's a fa he's a fantastic guitarist. But on that note, Dire Straits. When I was ten years old, 
and I imagine myself as a rock star, like all <laughs> 10-year-olds do. Yeah. What Mark Knopfler is wearing in his Live Aid concert is what I expect expected me to be, like a headband, <laughs> jeans, yeah, cool shirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That was that was the look that that Dire Straits look because then you had Sting out there all hippie. Yeah. Um. Oh, what's his name? Clapton. Yeah. Uh, played Layla and 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 uh, White Room. Yeah. And that dude looked like I mean he looked like he was an accountant who got off work on Casual Friday and came <laughs> down and played the guitar. That's what. Yeah, that he dude changed was. his image, man. He cut his hair and shaved his yeah. beard and he started looking. Yeah, he like you said, he started he started corporate. looking kind of yuppie after yeah, that. He looked straight corporate. Which that was the yuppie era, man. You saw a lot of the old hippies uh, shave their shave their head and become yuppies. So yeah, it was, it was just kind of a thing because everybody loved that they were stepping into the future, a new era, and they felt like they were responsible yeah, for but it. Yeah, I, do, I don't know. I might of, be misinterpreting that. But that's of, how I felt. A lot of white shirts tucked into light khaki pants. Yeah. Uh, oh, at that concert. You know what's hilarious is go back and uh, watch people from the early 80s, especially comedians. Their ties, their neckties were about six inches wide. I yeah. mean, just clown. Looking like, and their suits were always too big. They always wore their yeah. suits oversized yeah, with that. shoulder pads, big shoulder pads. Yeah, Phil Collins, though, man, was all – if you go – I've watched probably about 30 or 40 of those, just each song. Cause yeah, he's a you, musician, man. If you go to Live Aid's, yeah. Live Aid's YouTube page – they have the whole. They basically have the whole concert broken down into each song. Yeah, and we don't uh, understand how talented some of these people are because we only know them for what they're famous for. But well, yeah. the way they got in that position was by being crazy talented in a lot of areas. And you know, a lot of these dudes can play a lot of different instruments and stuff. But getting back to what you were saying about playing a guitar with a bent neck, so it's crazy how many stories, especially in, uh, I don't know, especially in rock and roll, because that's where I've seen it seems like most of them. Um, but I've I've heard about them in. Uh, in bluegrass, rock and roll, rap, every genre, uh, someone who kind of changed the way it was done, there almost always seems to be that thing like, well, you know, I had to learn how to play on a bent neck, so that led to this style that I play. Right. Um, Johnny Cash always said that the reason they kind of had that, um, that, that signature sound, it sounded like a train coming down the line. He said, well, we weren't really that good at our instruments, and so that's, that's just how it sounded because that's as good as we were. Uh, he probably didn't give his band enough credit, but you know that was his explanation right. of it. He's like, "Well, we just weren't that good, and that's just how it sounded." So uh, Jimi Hendrix, I believe, uh, he was either right-handed and played a left-handed guitar upside down, or he was—I think he was left-handed and played a right-handed guitar upside down because he—he he just bought a guitar, right. and so he just—I think he strung it, you know, to where they were, you know, he just strung it upside down and then played it upside down. But that's how he learned how to play and what he played on early on. Yeah, it's crazy. And then I'm wearing a, uh, for those who are watching, I'm wearing a uh, Sun Records, Sun Studio um, t-shirt. When we went on the Sun Studio tour, they talked about the beginning of rock and roll. And in the beginning of rock and roll, uh, you know, now distortion is a big part of it. Right. They said that the way distortion came about, and have I told this story already? Am I, am I double-telling yeah. stories on this podcast? You've talked about the sun. Yeah, you've told me. Okay, all right. About well, anyways, the amplifier so, falling out of the car. Yeah, the amplifier fell off. Ike Turner and his band, their amplifier fell that's, off their uh, car. That's, that's Tina Turner's Ike. Yeah, yeah. yeah but not the cool yeah. Ike. Not, not the cool <laughs> Ike. Yeah, that's that's the Ike Turner that, um, that had the heavy hand. So, uh, so anyways, yeah, their amp flew off their car, tore a hole in it. They decided to, and they're like, hey, it sounds kind of cool. So they, they rolled yeah. with it and recorded. 
Anyways, there you go. Distortion. It's, yeah, it's weird how that stuff happens. But uh, but yeah, you know, same way with rap, you know, and stuff like that. You know, the whole way that, that hip-hop all got started, you know, scratching records and beats and all that other stuff. And just if you go back and you watch the documentaries on how that all got started, it's cool, man. It's it's just it's people trying to figure something out, and they don't have a lot of resources. The uh, the bluegrass guys that are so famous, um, like Ralph Stanley and Bill Monroe and all them, one of them told a story, and I can't remember which one it was. I want to say it was Ralph Stanley, maybe, uh, told the story of when they were kids. They would uh, stand back to back and play their banjo and guitar or whatever and start playing a song. Right. And they didn't have a lot of ways to have fun. So they would play a song, and they'd start walking around the house in opposite directions. And they said when they got around to the other house, they'd see if they were still in time playing that song. Really? Yeah. And that was their game is, is they would they would try to get so in sync that when they got around to the other end of the house and they'd been playing separately for a little while that they were still in time when they got back around. Wow. Little things like that. Kids, your kids will do weird stuff, but that's how they figure things out and that's how they get so great at stuff. And you're wondering, man, I, as an adult, I can't come up with, you know, I can't come up with half the stuff my kids can come up with or learn half the stuff they learn. I mean, kids are special. And if you give them an opportunity... They'll turn something into a game, and next thing you know, they'll get they'll get good at some random skill that you would have never even thought to try to get good at. Yep. You know, yeah, it's crazy. So, so you well rested? No, the old camp week Dude. knocked you out, huh? Yeah. So this past week, I was at the Rock Creek Youth Camp, volunteered as a counselor. I've I've always given a hard no every time they've asked me, and not just to be a jerk, but because. For one thing, I have to use a lot of my PTO time at work for weather days because um, I get paid hourly and I work outside. Right. So, I mean, if it rains for a week solid, sometimes I got to go home and use vacation time, and I'm not on vacation. I'm just, you know, at the house trying to find something useful to do with my time. So, you know, I'm like, I don't got a lot of vacation. And, you know, plus I've always said, you know, I kind of got a short temper. I don't think that, you know, putting me in charge of a bunch of rowdy kids for a week is – a good environment for me not to yell at one of them and hurt somebody's feelings or something. But anyways, this year I, I buckled down. I did it. And I said, all right, I'm going to be a counselor. My boy Samuel, he uh, graduated this year. It's his last year at camp. He said, I'll go to camp this year if you'll be a counselor. So I was like, all right, man. And uh, so I went and uh, I had the high school boys cabin and it was supposed to be me and another guy. And this guy, has like 30 years experience with church camps. I mean, he he went to camps yeah. growing up. Yeah. He's he's been a he's been a counselor. He puts his own camps on. That's I why looked he at wasn't the, in there. I, I looked I looked at the list and he was the counselor, I was the co-counselor. So I'm just there for crowd control and assistance. I was like, man, this is going to be this is going to be all right, you know, my first time ever doing this. It's going to be good. No joke, man. I show up and that dude is not in the cabin with me. I am the lead counselor of all these boys. Yeah, and he's, he's doing administration stuff over here because somehow there was some kind of a deal where someone, it was just an un, unfortunate series of events. Someone who was supposed to come last minute couldn't make it, and they rotated a bunch of people, and he got rotated out. Yeah. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here, man. I, I don't even know how to discipline a bunch of other people's kids. I know how I would discipline my child, but I don't know how to discipline other people's kids, and I'm going to have them for a week. So anyways, they obviously they don't sleep. They, they stay wound up. They eat candy 
constantly drink sodas they give them sodas at night because that's apparently what you're supposed to do for kids by the way our buddy david to fix that problem Took his dudes outside, made him run a mile, <laughs> push tires. Made, made him run, run a mile. Pills. Yeah. One of the counselors had his campers doing burpees yep. so they would go to sleep. Had the workout dice out. Yeah. But here's the other thing, man. You know, I'm the littlest dude in my cabin. I got a cabin full of kids and they're all bigger than me. I'm thinking, man, you know, this is, how am I supposed to boss a bunch of kids around that I don't, you know, I only know some of them. I didn't know right. all of them, but I knew, I knew quite a few of them. But anyways, day one. They were a little bit rowdy, and I gave them a lot of a lot of freedom. Day two, they stayed pretty rowdy. Started kind of working on me. Had a couple incidents that got under my skin a little bit. So I told them, I said, "All right, guys, here's the deal." And I, I listed what I was aggravated about, and I said, "I'm gonna go take a shower. I'll see y'all in a little bit." So I left, and I came back, and they were they were chill. They'd had time to think about it, you know. I was like, "Remember where you are and what you're doing. You know, I'm glad you're having a good time and all, but some of the stuff y'all are doing, that's crossing the line." And, right. you know, I'm in charge of y'all still. I'm, I'm a fun guy, but I'm still in charge of y'all. It's on me. So anyways, long story short, after that little, little talk, you know, we started kind of, you know, getting, getting things kind of in line and every, getting to know each other a little bit better. But just no sleep. No sleep whatsoever, yeah, that's, man. That's and not only no sleep, but just the physical activity. So... Steve, uh, one, of the, one of the guys that was there, um, he was in charge of some of the games and stuff. He has these things called knocker balls. And this thing, when you air it up, is 12 foot tall, and you can put two human beings in it. And you strap them in. And what we were doing, adults, kids, anybody can do it because it's got these big straps you right. strap to, and you face each other inside this big aired up ball. And then a bunch of people just roll you down the hill. <laughs> And you're just end over end, man, going down the hill. And then some people catch you at the end and, you know, kind of get you right side up and you climb out the little hole that you crawled in of. And uh, anyways, so we were doing that. And it's a blast. And the kids loved it and everything. I made the mistake. So the kids, because they were short, we couldn't get their feet in the, in the bottom strap. Uh-huh. So we were just like, well, just, just strap into the top straps and just let your feet dangle on the bottom one. I made the mistake of your daughter needed someone to roll down the hill with her. We didn't put her feet in the little strap. She's tall enough. <laughs> the whole way down the hill, her knees are just flying at my face, man. And if she wasn't tucking them in, she would have she'd have karate kicked me the whole way down the hill. <laughs> yeah, she's a uh, how tall is she? Like, what is she? Like four foot no, something? No, no, she's five foot. Is she already five foot? Yeah, so if I she's was, not if she's not four foot, she's five foot. Yeah. Well, I know she's four foot. I thought she was like four okay, foot. Okay, she's something. five foot. Yeah, yeah. she's five foot. She's yeah. yeah she's she's up there. Yeah. yeah. No, she's 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 tall enough that she should have had her legs in that thing. Cause man, she was just about. To, I just saw feet and knees coming at me yeah. the whole way hey, down. And those legs aren't small either. <laughs> those are clubs. Yeah. Those aren't those aren't chopsticks hitting you. I was man. thinking, those man, are, Josh would love to know that I got beat to death <laughs> by his daughter's feet yeah. in a in a knocker ball well, rolling dude, down the hill. Dude, speaking of her feet, man. <laughs> Those things, I was surprised you didn't pass out, the green gas coming off of them. So at one point, she was just walking in the mud and just digging her feet in the mud. I took a picture and sent it to your yeah. wife. I was like, whose kid is this? That's, but uh, but nice. no, the kids had fun, and they're wild and crazy, and, and you know, you make connections with them. So I had a good group of guys. I, I enjoyed them. But here's where it gets great. They have a skit night, okay? Yeah. And the guys are kind of uh, – Kind of on cloud nine because last year's skit they they killed it. 
pretty much what they did was they did impressions of people at camp, like counselors and yeah. administrators stuff. But they did bad impressions. They're like, hi, I'm Tammy. Only get one biscuit for breakfast. Don't get two. And did the whole little mouth puppet thing yeah. with their hands. And they they just killed everybody. Just murdered everybody. Is that the girls' cabin? Uh, this was the guys' cabin last year okay. did this. So this year, they're like, we got to beat last year's, you know, because last year's was the funniest. And I watched it. Last year's was funny. Those guys did good. Well, so they came up with their skit. They were going to kind of make fun of the fact that they say bro a lot. Yeah. I was like, man, y'all say bro every other word. By the way, there's a Teen Titans <clears throat> episode yeah. that my wife was watching today. Yeah. That she said, I needed to tell you which one it was so you could watch it because it reminded her of that skit. Yeah, where they just say that they just say a word. And kind of how we set it up was I was like, you're going to say, you know, just you're going to go through your whole bro language stuff and the whole skit will be about how it's actually your own language and y'all know what you're saying, even though all you're saying is bro, you know, it's yeah. kind of like that with, I've seen it done with the word dude. Cause back in the day people yeah. used to say, dude, dude, and, dude then had, my car? and then they'd have subtitles, you know, and it would tell you what they were saying yeah. when they were just saying dude, you know, anyway, like, so I told like them to Groot? do that. Yeah. Like Groot, kind of like Groot. Yep. So, uh, so anyways, that was going to be theirs and they had a funny skit. They really did. And if they would have nailed it, it would have been super funny, but they did not nail it. They did a good job, but they did not nail it. And the reason they did not nail it is because they were shook. And the reason they were shook <laughs> was because the girl cabin killed these men. I heard, I heard that they killed. got obliterated. They murdered these young men. It was hilarious. I was laughing so hard. I was doing that laugh where I crawled under the, the little bleacher thing for a little while because I had to hide myself from the guys because I was laughing so hard at them, man. It was, it was the, the best part. So they go through all of them. They did the dating game, basically, and they each mimicked one of our campers right. in my cabin. And then uh, they had one girl who was you know the MC, and then one girl was playing the girl they were trying to score a date with. And so each one did an impression of that guy asking you know that <laughs> saying you know here's why i would be great and and they just make fun of whatever they're into and however they looked but they had their mannerisms down really really well and uh but the best one was one of our campers sorry jeremiah i'm gonna call you out jeremiah has got a big personality he's one of the funniest dudes you'll ever be around and he's just He's just cool dude. Yeah. Super hilarious. I like Jeremiah. Yeah. This girl, Alexis. I heard. That's what I heard. Murdered him with her impression. That's what I heard. And what's funny is she had already murdered him, and then she ended it with that little cherry on top because he would do this thing where he'd act all excited, and he'd start kicking his feet and go, Whoa, you know, and he kind of, I can't do the Jeremiah sound he'd do, but he'd get like this excited laugh, and uh, he'd start kicking his feet and shuffling them. She nailed it, man. She did that at the end. And when she did that, I just fell off my chair. I <laughs> I died. But it was it was so perfect. But unfortunately, man, my, my men were shook. It took them a little while to get over it. Right. I, at first, I don't even think – I think they are kind of mad. But then after a while, they had to admit that it was funny. And yeah, it was they, funny. You know, but, yeah, murdered them boys. So we'll close it out here because we're running out of time. All right. You mentioned that – our buddy McKnight wants you to talk about. Can't yeah. do that, dude. <laughs> you can't bring. Top the dude chain. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk about this prank at all.
No, dude. Okay, so here's the deal. It's not funny. It's not a funny story. It should be, but it's not. And that's why is it not funny? Someone die? No, but because we we didn't do the right thing in the end. Um, I'll go ahead and tell you. It's it's a lesson. It's right, a lesson. There you go. All right. When I was at church camp, this is back in circa nineteen, probably ninety one, somewhere around. So in you're there. what? I was like 11, 12, 12 okay. yeah, so 91, 92, somewhere around in there. Okay. We were at church camp, and when you're in middle school, you're not the young kid, you're not the old kid, you're, you're stuck in the middle. You're annoying. And you're kind of, an, you know, you're kind of your own little group at camp, because the little kids get attention for being little, and the older yeah. kids get attention because they're the older kids and they're popular. Yeah. You're kind of just, you're that middle child, man. Well, we were the middle cabin, we were kind of a bunch of, you know, quiet, nice kids, we didn't stand out in any way. Two cabins, the older cabins of boys, had been pranking each other all week. Hardcore. Right. It was... It Which was, is part of it. It was nonstop. Every day, there was multiple pranks happening. Right. Every day. The last night of camp, we were sitting around our cabin, and we're like, you know, it'd been fun to prank somebody. And then we got to talking about, you know, if we prank these guys, we're the last people they would expect to prank them. Right. And so we're like, well, what can we do? So we got this idea. We took, all right, you know those trailers that um, like a band would have that they keep their instruments in? You yeah. know those, those little closed-up trailers? Right. We, someone had one of those up there that they'd brought, you know, probably chairs and things in. Um, our whole cabin goes over there, and uh, it wasn't hooked up to a truck. It was just sitting on a block. So we picked up the tongue of that trailer, and there was enough of us that we were able to roll it. And we rolled that thing down a hill, in front of the boys' cabin number eight, maybe. I think that's the cabin number it was. And we pushed that thing up against their door, set it down, and went back to our cabin. So the next day when they got up to go to breakfast, they weren't going to be able to get out because they were going to open their door and there's going to be a trailer there that took up the whole door because, you know, we pushed it right up against it. And with that tongue in the ground like it was, they weren't going to be able to push it either. You know, they, someone was going to have to let them out of their cabin. Right. Well... Man, we go back. We're giggling. We're like, we can't wait till the morning. You know, everybody's going to get up and go to breakfast. And, you know, there's going to be this uh, trailer, you know, and everybody's going to be laughing at them. And, and it's just going to be funny. We get up. And when we get up, we notice the trailer's already moved. And we go into breakfast. And there's just a weird vibe going on. And the counselor that of the other cabin that they thought did it is like tied to a post in the middle of the mess hall and they are publicly shaming this man <laughs> publicly shaming and he is denying it with every fiber in his being and they are calling this man a liar while they're publicly shaming him for not owning up to it and we're like this is out of hand i mean they'd put food and like flour on it. That, <laughs> this was a tar and feathering, man. It was horrible. Turns out that what we did not know was that cabin had one, and we did know this, but we didn't know the routine. What it was was that cabin that we put the trailer in front of, they had a kid that was in a wheelchair. Uh -huh. And he took his showers late at night because he didn't want to take a shower with anyone else in there. It just so happened that we timed it to where he was in the shower when we put that up. He couldn't get back in, and he 
he couldn't get a hold of anybody to let him in. Whoa. And the terrible thing is, is he went and he ended up spending the night in the shower in his chair. So that's terrible. It's, this is where I told you it takes a nosedive. Wow. This this thing takes a nosedive. Dude, Chris McKnight is right, man. Yeah. Hooligans. This is where it gets real bad, though. The right thing to do. What's the right thing to do? You go and you own up to it. You're like, hey, this man's not a liar. We're sorry that we did that. We were just trying to prank a cabin. You yeah. know, we're a bunch of middle school kids. We don't know any better. We're all sitting there and we're trying to get the courage to do that. <laughs> I will not call this man's name out because I cannot believe he did this. Our counselor, it's the whole like, as he sees us, you know, getting up the courage to do the right thing, grabs us and says, don't say anything. And we are carrying that to our graves, unfortunately. That counselor, they shamed him to the point he was crying and trying to explain to this young man that he had nothing to do with it and that he knows that no one's ever going to believe him, wow. but that he feels bad. I'm telling you, this is the – I have things on in my past that are, are on me that I, I can only blame me. This is the one I feel guilty about. All those others, I'm like, you know what? I've been forgiven. Right, okay. Things are good. But this one? How old's this counselor? The counselor? Uh -huh. Oh, he was probably early 20s at the time. Something like that. He should have known better. Yeah. You, you own up. Because like I said, here's the two people uh, who were most part, affected by this. Was he part this. of the prank? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's where the... Hey, here's the thing, man. <laughs> we're carrying this to our graves. Because I have felt guilty about this for... I've just now started talking about it. And I don't tell it because I'm like, it's a funny prank until it gets to the end. But then it's like, you got to do the right thing. You've got to own up and be accountable. Because that's something people don't do anymore. People will just... You see people getting shamed online all the time. And then as soon as it comes out that, hey, turns out that uh, this story against them was false... Do you ever see anyone lift them back up? No, you, they tear them down and then they walk away like nothing happened. Yeah. You know, that's just the kind of the world we live in. Mm -hmm. Well, it started with, you know, it started way back then. It didn't start now. This has been going on for a long time. Well, People who aren't accountable and don't own uh, up. That's, that, yeah, that's just society. But we that's were kids. It. We had an opportunity to learn a valuable lesson. And that's and my we didn't. point. That, you but know, the two people that were affected is, you know, that kid, unfortunately, I guarantee there's no way he just got over that. There's no way. All right. right. He deserves he deserves way more than an apology from us. Second of all, that counselor, that young man that was a counselor that was publicly yeah. shamed and called a liar, you can't tell me that didn't affect his life. Yeah. Because that changed the way people looked at him in his circle even. Because, you know, he wasn't at that camp because he was from some faraway state. He was there because he was from the region. Right. You know what I mean? So you're talking about two people who are greatly affected by it. And that's why I don't want to tell. It's not a funny story, man. Do you, do you know these guys? Like, you know, do you know who they are? I mean, no. is there any way you could Facebook stalk them and like. I honestly can't remember either one of them's names. Um, I do know that one of them, his dad had been a counselor for years and uh, was, they're, they're good people. Good people. So, and, and like I said, we were kids. So I try not to put too much blame on us for not doing the right thing. But, you know, getting pulled back by your counselor and being told, don't do anything. You know, we listened, but I have never felt more wretched. And every time I think about that story, I just feel wretched on the inside. And I honestly think that it's kind of caused me um, in, in a compens compensation kind of way. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, I, I tend to, yeah, I, I tend to um, try not to be that way anymore. You know, I'm, I'm quick to sell myself out. Uh, you know, if well, I, yeah. if I see someone who's getting picked on or who's the butt of the joke or getting bullied, man, I'll go over there and take punches with them if I have to. I mean, I, I've tried to, I've been trying to, I've been trying I mean, to clear that one off my conscience for years. Thing, man, that was an innocent prank. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Funny. It's kinda. a hilarious prank if that doesn't happen. Well, if the kid can spend the night. Because no one would have seen that coming if from the us, kid, man. If the kid could have spent the night in someone else's cabin or they would have moved it, like, yeah, you know what I mean? That's one thing. Yeah. You know, I've, I mean, look, again, y'all were 12. Yeah. And, and I so, think we were 12. We could have been a little bit older than that. I don't know. Dude, someone might have to clear that up for the me. But we were year, young. The 20-something-year-old dude yeah. who watched this dude get pummeled <laughs> in the cafe. First off, why are we... Why are we Publicly shaming people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are the adults here? It I mean, was, where are the adults? It was the it was the early nineties, man. We were we were still getting civilized. Dude, apparently, man, I'm telling you, I got I got in a lot of trouble just for. I, we we took things we, were a little more rugged back then, though. I mean, water balloons were our big thing. Wow, you know, kind of kind of thing in, in shaving cream yeah um we kind of did that and we we did hang a kid from his by his underwear from the bedpost just because we had heard people do that you know we yeah. you know you hear of it as a as a prank so this one kid they were giving him a an atomic wedgie or whatever and hung him on the bedpost and his underwear ripped and he fell that, happened that was that was another bad one what was bad though was it wasn't like he was the kid that got bullied we kind of just everybody picked on everybody in the cabins yeah. and you know, he was our friend. He wasn't the kid that nobody liked. So I hope people aren't listening to this thinking that we just went around bullying kids. Bully and buddy is a fine line. I've said that <laughs> multiple times. If you've got a buddy, you're probably getting got by him at some point. So he was our buddy. But, man, just just because everybody wants to see if we could do it, hung him by his underwear uh, on the bedpost. And, man, that sucker's ripped and he fell off the bed. Dude, I couldn't. <laughs> dude, I'm still stuck on them shit, tying this dude to a post and shaming him. <laughs> Just you know shaming. I mean? Like, there's got to be a point where, like, the guy doesn't admit it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you kind of have to, like, okay, innocent until proven guilty type thing. You no, know? it went Lord of the Flies on them. <laughs> <laughs> no adults? Or were the adults part of it? There were, and I'm sure they toned it down. You got to understand, this is also me trying to... Of course remember you, a repressed yeah. memory from when i was a little kid yeah, you're 12 and don't forget still. that you know i had a pretty wild and rocking 20s here it is guys so top of the dude chain it comes clean and if you are trying to be funny and it quits being funny own up to it and say you're sorry there you go but uh do the, do the right thing if you're the kid in the wheelchair or the kid who got tied to the post sorry you can follow us on all the social media <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll take all the social media in the thing. Punch me in my face, man, because I deserve it. <laughs> Feel free to email us. Check out the website. All anyway, right. with that, we're out. Peace.